0: chapter, Axe asks Cassie if he can speak with her privately. Um, and they go to, like, the outskirts of camp, um, and Axe says, tell me about the morphing Cube. Why did you keep Jake from chasing Tom? And this I really do hate from Cassie. Look, Axe, I already feel like a criminal okay, but I've already made my apologies. Why do I have to go through this again with you? Which is sure a statement, Cassie. (laughs) Like,
1: They all have a right to know. Like, they all have a right to be upset and want to talk to her about this. Like, she doesn't get to know. Yeah, yeah, anyway.
0: Like, she's been living with this for however long, but they haven't. They only just found out. Uh-huh. Um. Uh and then I was angry. I was so angry the blade on my tail was quivering because my brother Elfangor gave the cube to you to you and your friends which isn't true but He compromised everything he stood for by giving it to you. He betrayed the laws of his own people. He placed his trust in five humans. I am trying to understand why you would betray him in return, why you would betray your friends, and why you would betray your people. They were harsh words, but I had a right to say those harsh words, because it was my brother, my people, and my planet's technology that had been abused. According to Cassie, she had sacrificed them all on no more than an instinct, an impulse. I had to think there was a better reason. If not, then I could not help but believe that the High Command had every right to annihilate this planet, and I would tell them so tonight. Humans were a retrograde species, destructive, violent, and at the mercy of their emotions. Unable to make personal sacrifices or set aside personal agendas on behalf of a
2: larger cause. Holy fuck, Axe. See, this is the problem when you hold somebody up as a pinnacle of morality and you use them as your barometer for what a good person is. And I don't just mean Cassie in this regard. Mm -hmm. But He can't know everybody. So his understanding of what humans are is defined basically entirely by the Animorphs. Mm -hmm. And so when he says, like, it's all riding on Cassie in this moment, because, like, like, I don't know humankind. I know you. So you Mm. are the one who needs to convince me. Like, in one way, it's putting a lot of onus on her, obviously. But at the same time, it is like—it's him asking somebody he considers a friend to explain to help him understand. Yeah, yeah. No, that part I get.
0: Like, I, I, I am so with him in his anger. And then he's like, "If
2: not, then yeah, it's fine." At the end, of turn the planet into the
1: planet. Yeah,
2: seems like the reasonable no, next step. I do think like... that's unreasonable. I'm not trying to defend that. <laughs> but But he is also not thinking rationally and I don't think the book wants us to think he's in the right for thinking this way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's um, the he's for sure not thinking rationally he's for sure just in the grips of his anger entirely he's not thinking about any of the other times that he's seen his friends personally sacrifice shit Mhm. for the greater good like his shorm going in to be tortured. You know. No, little things. <laughs> little things. Um like yeah he's he's not thinking. Um and I'm glad that what she says is enough to make him hesitate long enough that he is able to think again. Um and Cassie's like, very sorry. You know, she's like, you're right. I, I didn't. I did betray Elfgar. I never thought about that angle of it, and I never thought about how you would feel. Um, and he's just pressing her, like, I'm still trying to understand what it was you did think. Um, and she kind of comes to this little speech about how there are so many Yurks that would defect if they could after is isn't the only one and if we give them the morphing power then maybe they can see that there is another way. Um, you know, we can't fight on forever and it's beginning to look as if we can't win by fighting. We may have to learn to coexist. I don't know what was in my. And then she and then she says specifically, "I don't know what was in my head at that moment when I let Tom go, but now in retrospect, maybe letting the Yurks have the morphing technology is the way to peace." Um. And it, it, it's weird because the way that it's written, at first, it seems like she's tell she's saying something that like was hidden in her subconscious when she was making this decision, which it wasn't. Um, But I do like this, like, recognizing that in retrospect, she doesn't think it was such a bad thing. Like, maybe, maybe the reasons that I had weren't well thought out, but my instincts were still good in that this has larger possibility for benefit. Um yeah. yeah. I,
1: I it almost to me sounds like she's she's trying to convince herself that mm-hmm. you know, I fucked up. But maybe it's okay. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, like I mean, like you said, she definitely was not thinking this in the moment. It seems yeah. kind of flimsy. Oh yeah,
0: no, I, I think it is flimsy. I think, I think she is trying to come up with reasons after the fact, but I do like the, like that she's recognizing that it's after the fact, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like at least she's not arguing that this is what she was thinking all along. Right. Um, right. And Axe is just flabbergasted that anyone could make such a huge decision just on impulse. Um, and then he, we get the fun callback to 46. Um, and he recognizes, like, didn't I kind of do a similar thing? Didn't I, like, literally knock out Jake so <laughs> that I could, uh, bluff, maybe bluff. Possibly not actually bluff um, this or two out of starting World War Three by saying I was going to blow up the city in New York pool. Didn't, didn't I do that? <laughs> um, the memory was too troubling. I chased it away and reached wildly for a way to continue to separate myself from Cassie. Uh Which is beautiful. Um, that is... It's an it, it's just the way that people think, right? It's beautiful, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lands on Jake. Uh, maybe Jake knew what Cassie was going to do. Um, did he uh, agree with this weird plan? And she's like, "No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't told anyone about this like interpretation of the results." Can't you imagine what the others would say? Can't you just hear Rachel? My god, she lives for the war. And Marco's mom, she hates the Yerkes so much that the idea of sharing the planet with them makes her physically ill. She knows the enemy, I pointed out. She knows them in a way we never will. We continue to be lucky. Of course she feels that way, Cassie said impatiently. Marco's mother was host to the former Visser One. It must have been horrible. But the former Visser One was one Yerk. The current Visser One is one Yerk. It doesn't, it doesn't represent each and every Yerk, Humans have had some pretty evil leaders, too. Thousands, sometimes millions of people have followed those leaders, sometimes willingly, sometimes not. Sometimes because they were just too afraid to say no. What if some other species decided to wipe out the human race based on the existence of a few powerful people? What <laughs> if that species decided all humans would rule based on the actions of a handful of sociopaths? <laughs> Which is a little close to home, for Axe. <laughs> Um, and basically like they acts as like he tells her about the falcon that he caught and she's like oh you 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 see I'm right people do want to like defect and go and be knockless which is why I think it's a writing choice that uh or not a writing choice, a writing oversight about the, the host York thing because Cassie doesn't bring it up either. hmm Um uh, But basically they're just like I I don't know what the answer is, and Cassie asks if he can forgive her, and he's like, I don't fucking know. Uh what are you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> um do you think I'm a traitor? Yes. Did I do the wrong thing? I don't fucking know. How do you think El would answer that question? I don't know that either.
2: I do appreciate the big like. I don't know what you want me to say here. Energy from Axe. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he's being totally. I'm just like I don't know. Why? How would I know? Like mm-hmm. it's very yeah. like I cannot absolve you of this. Yes. And I'm glad that we get to see that from somebody, mm-hmm. because for all that we could, they can have retrospect and actually, this could be a good thing. And da uh, da 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 da. Cassie did do something fucking balls to the wall, ridiculous and out there,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and nobody is obliged to forgive her for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And frankly, it would feel cheap if he did.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At least at this point. Yeah.
0: Um, And so Axe continues to brood after he separates from Cassie. Um, He's looking at the stars, trying to find his home star, um, trying to remember the faces of his family and friends back home, but they keep fading away and changing into the faces of the Animorphs. humans amazed me with their resilience, their ingenuity, their bravery. They delighted me with their humor, their passions, their capacity for play, their food. But they truly sickened me with their self-indulgence and their childishness. But then I reminded myself, they are children, and so am I. If I were at home, I would still be a cadet in the Andalite Military Academy. I would spend most of my time in my parents' scoop. But I had been thrust into the middle of this raging war on Earth. I had seen more battles, death, and destruction than many seasoned soldiers in our Andalite fleet. I felt my throat tighten and constrict. My heart ached with a pain I could not describe. I wondered if I were dying. I felt not sadness. I felt pity. For myself, for us all. We were children no longer, and we never would be again. What do you think Elfango would say? It was it was as if Cassie had looked into my mind and read the questionnaire. Elfangor, why did you have to die and leave me here? I do not know what to do. Either path led me to betrayal. Elfangor was a great hero, a war prince, a member of the Andalite military, brave, when necessary, ruthless. The Yurks had to be stopped. The Andalite High Command knew that. Their plans might be unspoken, but they were clear. Annihilation of the planet, It would be clean. It would be final. It would be over. But but Elfangor had broken the most fundamental law of our planet. He had broken the law of Ciro's kindness. He had given morphin technology to another species. To humans. Why? To give them a chance? No. The Elfangor I knew was not sentimental. He would not compromise the safety of the home planet and the galaxy to save one species. Elfangor knew what every other Andalite knew, that the Yurk menace had started with an old fool's sentimental impulse, his inability to understand that his enemy's goals and aspirations were not his own. Cyro had let loose a plague of Yurks upon the galaxy. The rest is history, a sad, violent, destructive history of conquest and war. Planets ravaged and ruined, one species after another enslaved, countless dead. All triggered by an act of kindness. Yes, the Cassies of the world were infinitely more dangerous than the Rachels. My brother had known this. So what had possessed him to give those humans, you- to give these human youths, the power to change the fate of the galaxy? What would he tell me to do now? I heard a flutter of wings, then the long, quiet sound of studied stillness. Tobias. He had settled on a branch. He said nothing for a long time. Then, finally, Well? Well, what? I asked. What did you decide? I was startled, but I tried to pretend I was not. About what? Tobias ruffled his feathers placidly. I followed you last night. I don't know who you were talking to, or what you were saying, but I'm guessing you were talking to the Andalite home planet, am I right? I could not lie to my true Shorn. Yes. They're going to fry us, aren't they? My eye socks waved in spite of my determination to stay calm. What makes you think that? It's what makes sense for them to do, now that we are so concentrated on Earth. I guess the question is, are you going to help them do it? I do not know. I do not know what is the right thing to do. There's a lot of that going around, Fias said. Do you hate Cassie? I asked suddenly. I don't hate anybody, Tobias said calmly. It's strange, but right now, I don't even hate the Yerks. It's like, they're trying to survive, and we're trying to survive. I'm not really sure why it has to be an either-or thing. You would consider a symbiotic truce? No, but we probably wouldn't have to do that. Don't you see? What do the Yerks need? Bodies. If they can morph bodies from their slug state, then they don't have to keep taking other people's bodies as hosts. See? They'd have to deal with the two-hour time limit still, and they'd still have to be on Tendrona, but... And they go on, and they talk about this for a minute. Um, And Tobias basically comes down on, like, look, we don't have any guide for this. We just have to try to make the best decision we can as we make them. Um and we can't get afford so to get so locked on one idea that we defend it to the death without really knowing if that idea works in the real world. Um, and Axe, he flies away, um, and Axe is thinking that, like, maybe Elfangor had seen something, a possibility that seemed impossible because we Andalites had been so indoctrinated by our own military thinking. Us versus the enemy, no compromise. We had decided long ago that morphing was proprietary, too dangerous to share, but maybe Cassie had been right after all. Maybe the way to real peace was giving choices to other species. On the other hand, maybe it depended on the species. Humans, Birx, if each were freed from the fight for survival, would they use the morphing technology for good or for evil? <clears throat> and he wonders, what would Elfangor do? and he thinks he no longer needs to wonder because Elfango already did it. He had given the morphing cube to the humans, and then he had died. I too would place my faith in the humans. My faith, if not my trust. And if I died, well, then I hoped I would die as nobly as my brother. I knew that I should check in with High Command, but now that my decision had been made, I did not. I was willing to disobey a direct order, and I was willing to die. But I was not willing to deceive the Andalites, to tell them I was going to do one thing and then do another. I know it's a fine distinction, but I was learning to rationalize, to defend what was indefensible. It was a very human course of
2: action. I said in our document, like, seeing that comment about. I'm willing to do this, but I'm not willing to do that
0: Mm -hmm.
2: reminded me, and to be fair I'm not meaning to say this is a criticism, but rather an observation of the lines, arbitrary as they might be, that the kids Mm -hmm. make to keep themselves sane Mm -hmm. I guess, Mm -hmm. but how for Marco, if I've thought the thing then then doing the thing is no worse Mm -hmm. because I've already done the worst thing, I thought of it Mm-hmm. Whereas for Jake, it's just like when well, no, they doing something is far, far worse mm-hmm. than just thinking about it. And just like the various ways these kids have had to approach the morality of what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And as how human it makes him.
0: Mm-hmm. Cry about these kids. Mm hmm. They have lost so much, and also I love my son.
2: Hmm. Tobias so is great good. here. He's so good in this book. Uh, I
0: love him so much.
2: He, I, he's so compassionate. Hmm. But also, like, as a response to trauma, um, for all the. Tobias has spoken so much about that duality within him, about being the hawk versus being the boy. Since finding Lauren and spending more time as a human and moving away from that need, I say need, but he's always been very gung-ho and very like willing to throw himself into harm's way. Mm And now it's this recognition of, well, yeah, this fight is what we're doing, but it's such an upsettingly adult sentiment
0: mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm.
2: It's like, I don't hate anybody. I want people to live. Mm-hmm. And I love that he's out here like, yo, what if like the Yerks could just morph and then they could just be whatever?
0: Mm-hmm
2: sounds pretty fucking tight right because like as axe mused earlier the freedom or the relative freedom that tobias found Mm -hmm. leaving his old life as as much as there are issues with his new existence about aftran being happier in her new life
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and it's just it's so late in the game but when like Tobias has had a rough time of Yurks, mm-hmm. and he isn't like kill them all. Yeah, when one could argue he maybe has more standing to have that position.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One could argue. I'm not saying it, you should quantify that shit. And him just saying, "No, nah, everyone should just get to live. If we're not, if they're not going to hurt people, just let them be." Mm-hmm. This awareness of why, at least for a lot of Yerks, perhaps why they do what they do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: I did also just make a note on my PDF when they're talking about, you know, the possibility of Yerks using morphing mm-hmm. as an alternative to taking hosts and um, saying, you know, they would want to acquire humans, other sentient creatures as well, not just cats and dogs. And Tobias says, yeah. And then Axe says, but we have always said it is wrong. Which I thought was interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. He doesn't
1: say it's wrong. We have always said it is wrong. Yeah. And Jade, I hope you know I am fully in your camp of like more humans. Like just Deck do it. Yo! It's fine. Like doesn't matter. Just do it. So I just thought it was an interesting wording of we've always mm-hmm. said it was it is wrong. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. the morality is getting grayer by the book here is yeah. my point.
0: Yeah. And it's it's very much like Tobias I just like, yeah, so what?
2: Yeah. he <laughs> was like, "Yeah, but you've always said I mean, it was wrong." Like, "Man, I don't know." <laughs> like, yeah. No, I never said it was wrong, FYI. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a thing you guys have been struggling with surreptitiously looks back towards camp i do not have an issue because i morph into a human all the time yes it's me but also (laughs) i did steal my own dna by time travel yep the ethics are gray (laughs) (laughs) but th- there is something delightful about to I being like, really, of all the things, that, no, nah, I do not care. I could not give less yeah. of a fuck about <laughs> that. Yeah, that's good. Um,
0: uh, and then we cut to the plan, um, which I'm going to summarize pretty quickly because it's it's a very it's a good action sequence. Uh there's some like fun, juicy character bits in here, but for the most part it's just like a many chapter long fun action sequence, right? Everybody mm-hmm. goes on this mission to go get the explosives. Um like the parents, the horcagier, uh the auxiliaries, everybody everybody's fucking there. Um They the the plan is essentially the parents walk up to this National Guard base pretending to be lost campers that need assistance. And Marco's dad specifically pretends to have a heart attack. Um,
2: solid plan. Love
0: this. Very solid plan. And, you know, this this gets them to get trucks to go in further into base. The kids are able to, like, hide out in the trucks um, and use that to get into base easily. Um, we get, uh, as, as they're kind of walking to the base, we get a bit of, um, back and forth between Axe and Naomi, Uh <laughs> which has this fucking heartbreaking fucking line, um, like, Lauren's like, let's just keep going and hope for the best, um. And Naomi's like, hope for the best. That's all you have to offer. Am I the only one of you people worried about our kids? I could not help myself from retorting. You do not need to be afraid on behalf of Rachel, I told her. Rachel is the one who frightens others. (laughs) And that's supposed to make me feel better? Her mother demanded shrilly. To know that my oldest, my first child, my little girl has become some kind of monster, some kind of bloodthirsty freak. Huh. don't let her suck you into an argument axe, Tobias said privately. You'll never win. You're about a quarter of a mile away from the worksite. Keep heading towards the road. And like maybe your your daughter's in Bird of Praymore. She could very easily have heard you. What the fuck?
2: It strikes me a lot and I don't mean to make this comparison flippantly Um, we've touched on it previously before, this very proprietary attitude some parents have towards their children. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't doubt that Naomi is coming from a position of love. Like, she clearly Mm -hmm. loves her children. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a scary thing to see somebody you have raised from birth acting this way. It's got Mm -hmm. to be scary. But it does make me think of all these fucking articles and stuff. It's just like, oh, my son was killed. Now, insists I call him my daughter. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate it. And it's exhausting. And it's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And it fronts the parents' feelings above that of the child that is actually going through something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, Naomi doesn't have to accept it. And we get the feeling, like, Naomi is having a really rough time because there is nothing she can do. Yeah. Which makes the fact that she gets to have a useful moment in this book really good. I I like that they afforded her that. Mm -hmm. But she's grieving something. Mm -hmm. And much like Rachel, her grief manifests like anger. (laughs) Well, and it's
1: just occurring to me now that of all the parents in the camp, Naomi is the only one with other children as well, mm, which has to yeah. be a whole other level yeah. of terror yeah. and difficulty. You know, to deal with mm-hmm. these two other young girls who are terrified and mm-hmm. don't know, and who are on. young, so it as well it kind of gives her another layer of is it's difficult for everyone maybe be a little extra difficult for Naomi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and without a partner there. I mean, Lauren yeah. also doesn't, but Lauren also just met Tobias like three weeks ago. So mm-hmm. um, not that not to belittle, you know, any relationship that they're building and care for, but Naomi is more on her own with more to lose in a way. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um so they get into the base, um, they take over these trucks, they knock out the drivers, and the parents take the role as the drivers. Um there are twelve warehouses that these explosives could be in. They split up, they knock out the guards, they search all of the warehouses. Um you get this fucking excellent moment of axe just approaching these two guards and yeah. one of
2: them just It is a like, surefire method for checking if somebody's yerked. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I love that. <laughs> and this guy just goes up
2: to him, like, his
0: face lit up with delight. Holds his hand, palm out, as if acts as a dog or a horse. I've never seen anything like this. Hey there, fella. Hey. <laughs> like, I love this soldier whose first instinct on seeing this alien is to be
1: like, ooh, hey. You can't stop fair, though. You have to... Include Axe's response Yes, Axe's response is Hey is for no, horses no. I
0: Hey is for not horses a, There's some aspects I closely resemble one And Marco's just laughing In the background <laughs>
2: Big. That is such big friend energy. It like laughing,
1: laughter in the background.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> also, Marco is a griller at this point. Also, to be fair, like just the visual of this is uh, oh, a yeah. gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. Um. But
0: so they they find the explosives in one of the warehouses. Um and they get all the the trucks there to start loading them up and the forkagier uh, begin to pick up the explosives to load them and an alarm goes off. So they have to move very quickly, they get everything loaded, they jump into the trucks, they all pile into these trucks. Um Marco for a moment uh holds everyone back because he's like I have to go get my dad because his dad was taken to like the medical tent because he pretended to have a heart attack. Um and Jake's like, you can't leave right now. Um stop right now or I'll get Toby to stop you. And Marco just like, you'll do what? Um And eventually uh Naomi actually is the one who speaks up and is like, For God's sake, Marco, let's get let's get loaded and get out of here. Your dad will be fine. For once a bossy and impatient adult was exactly what he needed. Because <laughs> Marco <laughs> just like uh falls back in line to follow. Um, they all morph human, except for Tobias is in the air, and get into the truck. Axe is in the truck with Rachel's mother, along with Rachel. Um, and they just start driving slowly but steadily towards the front gate. They don't want to have to go too fast or knock into anything because they're carrying cart of and explosives. Um, but there are, like, rows of soldiers between them and the gate. Uh, and uh, Rachel's mom immediately starts to slow down, like, what do we do? And Rachel's, like, ram them, um, and literally, like, leans over, puts her foot over her mother's on the accelerator, um, and, like, tries to grab hold of the, the wheel, and, like, is going to run these people over, um, including the captain who steps out in front of the troops and holds up a hand to tell them to stop. No gun, no threat, just a request to stop. And Rachel just, like, presses her foot down even harder. Um, Ax, like, yells at her, Rachel, I'm ordering you to stop, you must obey my command. And she's just like, shut the fuck up. Um, and then he literally just overpowers her, um, because testosterone is a hell of a drug. Um, and yanks her off of the wheel and partly because testosterone and partly because he takes her by surprise um he's able to get her off enough that her mom is able to take control and stop the car before they hit the people
2: also yeah. i have to imagine that a flawless maneuver human wolf that contains both rachel and jake mm-hmm. dna is probably going to be pretty strong
0: yeah um And Rachel turns on him, like, what do you think you're doing? And he lies. He says, Jake gave you an order. What order, she demanded. An order to stop, Naomi said, glancing at me. I heard it too. For a split second, Rachel looked stricken. Then the look of fury returned to her face and she slammed her palm on the dashboard. Which, this this is like a tiny little moment, and it fucking wrecked me.
1: I got
2: chills. Yeah, why to I fucking gaslight that, somebody?
1: Right? Yeah. How quickly Naomi like clocked on mm-hmm. to what Axe is doing, and I got chills.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just like how, because we know that Rachel worries about not hearing Jake when he tells her to stop. Hmm. <laughs> Like and to play on that fear, um like it's just it's so much um, uh but then we get a conversation between Jake and this captain uh it's captain olston, uh and we get the reveal that apparently uh all of the local military was told that the whole thing was the whole thing with the governor was a hoax, a very sophisticated hoax. The governor was sent away to a rehab center, something about drugs or losing her mind. Lieutenant Colonel Larson has been court-martialed for his association with the governor. Several troops from area bases have been deployed into the city to prevent panic from breaking out. Essentially, the Yerks really got at least this area on hard lockdown. Um, Jake trots out their portable alien, uh, like, hey, don't shoot, we're going to show you something. Hey look, that's an alien. Um and then shows him Toby. Like, hey look, here's another alien in case you don't believe me. Um and finally, slowly, the captain kind of like accepts this situation. <laughs> um murmurs something about aliens speaking more perfect English than most of his troops. Justice for the Horkvigier. Um and it basically Jake gives him the rundown of all of the the major points in the war and and what they're trying to do. Like, hey, we're going to blow up the town and the earth pool under it. And, and the captain's like, I can't, I can't just let you take a bunch of... Exp- I can't do that. You
2: are a literal child. <laughs> uh,
0: and then Naomi comes forward. And we learn that Naomi defended Captain Olsen's son when he was up on some, like, reckless... Or he was wrongly, acu- wrongly accused of car theft. And so she defended his son, got his son off the charges, which is great for Captain Olsen because Captain Olsen would have quit his job, essentially, to keep defending his son in court. Um, And so he's he's extremely indebted to her. And so her appearance lends just a great deal of authority to these kids, essentially. Um, and she backs up Jake. I know it sounds insane, but the invasion is real. No matter what you've heard about the governor lying or being ill. Um We're the resistance, Captain. And this this kid, my nephew, Jake, is in charge. So the person to speak to is him. I just thought I'd back him up a little. Yeah, so essentially, Naomi's like, yeah, I'm going to back him up. The captain looks at him. And is like, "Look, but you're still a literal child. I can't. I can't just let you go to the city
2: with a truck full of bombs." Um, and I do appreciate the <laughs> underscoring of the buck wild nature of what is happening here. Exactly. Yeah, I love the captain. Like this- like, he's a fine young man, but <laughs> yeah. all respect to this National Guard captain guy. Yeah. He's great he's wonderful, love him as, adu- as adults in these books go he comes off great, he's literally mm-hmm. just like okay, aliens are real okay, look, oh, Naomi's here cool, so this is legit this is still a child and that is still a bomb <laughs> I, mm. <laughs> that is still 10,000 pound bombs oh, that he's what? going to he has expressly told of me
0: he's going to take to blow up the York pool under the city <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: He really is in the right, quite frankly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, And essentially Jake is like, look, we'll fight our way out of here if we have to, but we don't want to have to kill your people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, one of the soldiers tries to shoot Jake and Jake's like, that man's a controller. (laughs) Also, your major's a controller because he
2: told you not to go into town under any circumstances. Uh, Jake, (laughs) cool, the cute cop, but just like, yeah, nah, that guy's bad. (laughs) You might want to sort that shit out. Uh, And and
0: Naomi is basically like, you have to act under your own authority. And Captain Olsen is just like, man, why did I have to be on duty today? Oh, so but good. he he lets them go. He lets them take 10,000 pound bombs with the express purpose of blowing up the yerk pool
2: underneath the city. Naomi must be a really fucking good lawyer, you guys. Right? <laughs> <laughs> After all of... We didn't dwell on it, but Axe is ragging on what exactly lawyers are because they don't mm-hmm. seem to have any purpose.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. So, they drive to the station. They get there without too much issue. Um, there is a moment of like, sad everyone saying goodbye to their children because their children might not come back from this mission.
2: As you do. Um,
0: as you do. Uh. Like we get, we get that moment of Rachel and her mom reconnecting and apologizing, um, and uh, like Rachel's mom kisses her on the cheek. Marco shakes his father's hand, hugs his mom. Tobias morphs human to say goodbye to Lauren, help holds her hand. Cassie and her parents like have a have like a little three way hug, touching their foreheads together. I knew what was happening. Everyone was saying whatever it is that one says to friends and family when they realize they might be parted forever. I had not had such a chance with either my parents or my brother Elfangor. Jake had not had such a chance with his family either. Jake, my prince, stood alone and apart. This might be our last night alive. I knew he felt keenly the absence of his own family. I could not be his family. He could not be mine, but I could be his friend. I walked over to him. You are my prince, I said, and whatever happens next, know that I am proud to have served you. Jake smiled wistfully and put his hand on my shoulder. Axe, for the last time, yes? Don't call me prince. Um. And I die.
2: I cry. Mm-hmm. Match dying.
0: Um. So, they get to the train station, they load all of the bombs, or, or a train comes, um, and stops because it sees all of the Animorphs on the station, like, platform, like, oh, we should maybe fight them. Um, all of the people it was taking to the Yurk Pool run away, and we're left facing a bunch of human controllers that are quickly morphing. The Animorphs, well, specifically Jake gives them the chance to fully morph into their battle morphs. Yeah. Um, even though Rachel's like, hey, let's maybe not. Uh, she's like, no, we give them a fair fight. We fight the Yurks, we don't become them. Like,
2: dude. Uh, that dude, that yeah. mantra, I can see why that's a comfort, but oh
0: mm-hmm. my guy. Yeah.
2: Um... This is Dumbo and the Feather right now. This is. Mm. <laughs> um, but they fight,
0: they win. Um, there's a moment where, like, the soldiers that are helping them, um, like, mow down a bunch of these controllers that are morphed as wolves, and Axe has a panic attack because Cassie could have been one of those wolves. The soldiers would have had no way to tell her apart from the others. Um, but she's alive. Um, and. He, in that moment, realizes that he does not actually hate her. that um, you know, as we kind of knew, he didn't. um He regrets his harsh words, uh, but he doesn't say anything to her. They just kind of like share a moment um and then they make the decision of like, who's gonna go down with the train because someone has to go down and like arm the train. Um, and set the detonation off. It's got a five-minute delay, and also warn everybody down there that they need to get out. Um, uh, so three people are going to ride the train. Jake immediately volunteers, and everybody else is like, no, you're too valuable, you can't go. Cassie volunteers since it's basically all her fault, she says. Um, nobody corrects her on that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Tough, but fair. I suppose. Um,
0: Axe agrees to go um for reasons he can't discuss, namely that he's officially a traitor to his own planet and his people um and he low key has a death wish um and Marco also says that she's that he's going um rachel basically uh is is brushed aside in her desire to go. Jake rationalizes this to her, and she accepts it. And he says, "Cassie's there. If there's a tough, if there are tough, tough decisions to be made along the way, I want Cassie to make them. She's as close as I can get to myself." Um, Marco's going because I don't know. I guess because he'll enjoy the ride. Rachel, I need you here with me. Okay. Um, in spite of the fact that we were all facing almost certain death, somehow it began to feel like old times, before the war had gotten so terribly ugly. Somehow the rifts were beginning to mend, the Animorphs were a team again. Um, so Cassie, Marco, and Axe board the train and uh, get going, moving on its way. The the train is basically going as fast as it possibly can. They go through a couple of empty stops that um the or they go through a couple of stops while the train is empty and Marco points out that this means that they're going to fire on them because they see an empty train, they know something's up.
2: I have to bring up the fact that Marco does not figure out how to use the brake on this <laughs> yeah. train. So we do have to add trains to things that Marco is driving. Mm-hmm. I have, written, which is hilarious. Who let because Marco drive the train? Fucking <laughs> trains have a dead man switch. They're literally—you take your foot off the pedal. <laughs> they're very simple to operate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, they're dealing with like some loose electric wires inside the car, trying to figure out what to do about it. Can't do anything. Um, a couple of blue band Horcogier come up because they needed to make this book a page longer, I guess. Uh, and, Apparently. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they were hiding. Um, and Axe, sure. like, gets ready to face them, to, to fight them. And then, uh, Chekhov's bird, um, comes through a car door. It says it's a red-tailed hawk. The hawk says seer. Um, But then Cassie thanks James because the hawk basically like does a a buzz through and distracts the blue bands enough that they reach for like the the handrail and the handrail happens to be touching the electrified cable and so they get electrocuted and die. Um. And then the the hawk just like flies out through a fucking window. Like, Kay, what was the point of this? Um. Again, wouldn't make much more sense if it was the fucking Peregrine Falcon from earlier. <laughs> like, why why? Why this? Why any of this? Um But they're getting through the dark tunnel, they're about two minutes from impact, so uh they try to decide how to who who someone needs to arm the detonator. So there's two p- problems here that they're facing, right? The first problem is that they're basically going to crash the train into the airpool. Pool. They're not going to try to stop or anything like that. They're just, like, gonna blow past the stop at the end of this and go straight into the airpool, Pool, right? Um, and they need to have the uh, the bomb armed so that the countdown starts when they enter the airpool. Pool. So, there is danger of them dying in this train crash, uh, but also they need someone to arm it as soon as they get to the Yurt Pool, and not before, because they don't want to key it now. It'll only give the people in the Yurt Pool three minutes to escape. Um... So, <laughs> they have a coin toss. Axe muses on how this is a dumb way to make decisions, but okay. Um And Marco's like, no offense, Cassie, but I think it should be me or Axe. Why? You don't trust me to give the people only five minutes to escape? I don't trust you not to sacrifice yourself somehow in the process. No unnecessary heroics. They give me gas. Um,
2: I love my son. <laughs> he's great. But um, also making a crack about Cassie and her guilt to mm-hmm. alleviate the this, because knowing he she absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Also um, because the book does have to keep faking us out that somebody is going to die.
0: Yes. Um, Axe, quote-unquote, wins the coin toss, so the other two morph, and he like does a slow morph, says the death chant as he does it, um, and then at the very last possible moment, he hits the last digit on... The, the code to arm the bomb, and then finishes his morph. The train hits the end of the track, goes airborne, jackknifes over the earth pool, and crashes. Marco, Cassie, and Axe have all morphed bugs, and so they survive the crash. Um, they demorph and swim out of the train, which is now in the pool. Dead slugs are everywhere, floating on the surface of the pool, pasted to the sides of the buckled and destroyed train, scattered all over the docks. Um, and uh Cassie gets up on top of the train and starts informing everybody that there are 10 1,000 pound bombs on the train. They're going to go off in four minutes from now. You have four minutes to evacuate. Anyone still here in four minutes is dead. And everyone fucking books it. Um, uh, all of the controllers try to leave. Um, except for a couple of human controllers, which actually seem to stay behind to help free the people who are in cages with Marco and Axe. Um, <laughs> Visser, Visser 1 makes a token appearance, rising from the Yerk pool, and then <laughs> Marco's just like, all right, we can fight if you want, but it's going to be very short because we only got like two minutes, maybe, and then that's going to explode. So you make your choice, I guess. And Visser-1 backs down and just tries to escape. (laughs) Um, They empty all the cages. The pool complex is almost entirely deserted. Uh, The animorphs morph bird and begin trying to fly out. Um, Birds of every kind, uh, wings working madly, we raced along one of the tunnels through which crowds of escaping hork bajir Taxons, human controllers, and uninfested humans were frantically scrambling their way to the surface to freedom. Birds of every kind screeched and smashed into walls in their panic to get out. People were knocked on the floor, stepped on by humans too panicked to think. All around us was chaos and madness and fear. It was the saddest thing I had ever seen in this horrible war. Desperation brought on by the knowledge of imminent death. We had just cleared the first major loop up and away from the pool complex when the first bomb exploded. There was a short delay, and then it was as if a hurricane fueled by a blast furnace had come raging through the tunnel. Large areas of the roof fell in. The floor buckled and collapsed. My ears were bombarded by screams and cries and shrieks. I had lost track of Cassie and Marco. I did not know what to do except keep flying. The air was almost solid with dust and debris. The heat was overwhelming, but still I flew. Explosions reverberated through one cavernous tunnel after the other. Finally, miraculously, where the ceiling had caved in above head, I saw light. Just a pinpoint, but it was enough. I flew toward it, rising out of the hideous underground into the open sky. Late that day, we perched on the roof of one of the few skyscrapers left in the area. The destruction was breathtaking. Below us, there was a sinkhole where much of the downtown had been. Everything had just caved in. Half the mall, several office buildings, train stations, stores, all were gone. Most of the downtown had simply collapsed, swallowed up by an explosion the size of a small nuclear blast. The buildings still standing were cracked, some listed to one side. The entire area was ringed with fire engines, ambulances, military vehicles, and onlookers. Well, Marco said thickly, we did some serious damage, just like we hoped to do. I bet we killed a million Yurks." Yeah, Cassie agreed, no note of satisfaction or joy in her voice. I felt no sense of satisfaction or joy either. There were many bodies down there. Human bodies, taxon bodies, work the bodies. And perhaps three of the dead or mortally wounded were Jake's parents and brother. I knew we were all wondering if they had been at the pool when the explosion occurred. I also knew none of us would talk about it, not to Jake and not to each other. What could we possibly say? Also, I could not forget that many human controllers had lingered in order to save other humans who were not controllers. I suppose I had always known that Cassie was right always known but had been reluctant to admit that Aftran had not been the sole member of a Yurk resistance movement, that there were many Yurks who, given a choice, would choose not to conquer, would choose not to kill, if they ever were lucky enough to be given such a choice. Yes, Cassie was right. We heard the heavy flap of wings, and Jake and Peregrine Falconer settled beside us. "'Everybody's back at camp and safe,' Jake said. Captain Olston and his troops got out of the area in time.' Jake paused, then said, "'Good job.' "'I don't know,' Rachel said slowly. "'There's no telling how many human controllers the Yerks created down there in the past week. 1000s maybe. No telling how many escaped. "'Yes,' Jake agreed. "'But without the pool, the Yerks have no way to feed. "'It'll be a pretty horrible three days, "'but at the end we're going to have a lot more dead Yerks, "'and a lot of humans who have no illusions about what we're fighting against. "'Not to mention the Horkvajir who will be freed, too.' Well, that's something, Marco pointed out. But you know what the saddest thing about this whole situation is? I wouldn't even know where to begin, Cassie answered. The saddest thing is that this is our greatest victory, and I've never felt more depressed in my entire life. Well, just when you think you can't get any more depressed, Tobias said, look who's dropping in. A large gray shadow fell over the city. We looked up and saw Disarone's blade ship hovering, a swarm of bug fighters surrounding it. "'I guess it was too much to hope that he wouldn't survive,' Marco said gloomily. "'No telling what kind of morph got him through,' Tobias commented. "'But we've heard him, and i will have some explaining to do to the York High Council.' "'Come on,' Jake directed. "'We're of no use here anymore. "'Let's go back to camp.' "'One by one, we took off and winged our way back home. "'This or one wasn't the only one who would have some explaining to do. "'I, too, would have to justify my actions to an angry Andalite command "'if I chose ever to speak to the Andalites again.' They would never understand, and I would never be able to explain. But for good or ill, I had thrown my lot in with humans. Humans, violent but peace-loving, passionate but cerebral, humane but cruel, impulsive but calculating, generous but selfish. Humans, altogether a contradictory and deeply flawed species. And yet, and yet somehow I knew that they represented the best hope of the galaxy, perhaps the only hope. Axe, Jake, addressing me in private thought speak. Yes, thank you," he said. "You are welcome," I answered. Then to myself, I mentally added, "Prince Jake." And the book ends. More of an ending than we got last book.
1: <clears throat> Not exactly a kickflip into the sun. No.
0: Nope. uh they they fucking did it they blew up the york
1: y'all
2: yep yep love the uh casual unscoring. and to be fair i know this is actually true of quite a lot of like city planning real convenient the york pulls on like a purely uh work and business district and there <laughs> was no mention of residential homes yeah Convenient. I mean, I'm not Although, unhappy. I mean, that we that's know the it's case. under
1: their school so it's got to be in somewhat of a residential zone, at least mm. partially. Meh. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Meh. They blew up their eh. city. I mean,
2: and, yeah. Uh, this yeah. book is so all over the place. <laughs> I feel kind of towards it having now done this with you lovely people because I really wasn't sure how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the beef has been settled. I still have my issues. <laughs> I don't feel as angry about it, I think, now having like sat with it and talked about it mm-hmm. um, because it is trying to do some cool stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think Axe's journey is important here i just wish it was handled a little bit differently in places and maybe without the uh, casual maybe humans should all die actually yeah Yeah. a little little bit kill all human but a little bit bender from futurama in energy (laughs) that was not expecting to see yeah yeah but it's definitely got some good bits. absolutely uh, we got questions, haven't we? This time? We do have some questions. We were organised. Our listeners shared their thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um. And so Izzy's question is: Who else thought the sacrifice meant Axe was going to die? It, it's really I feel like just that's a mostly.
2: Jade. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that. So I I didn't. Uh huh. Um. I think he would have, mm-hmm. but the further I got into the book, it didn't feel like that was the play. Like the sacrifice, Axe makes here is giving up his tie to the Andalite home world, mm-hmm. is what it is. It it was going to be losing one of his worlds mm-hmm. in one way or another, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a more compelling narrative than Axe throwing himself on a fucking sacrifice play. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't blame anyone for thinking that, to be clear. Yeah. I just am, um, as my name might suggest, a jaded bastard and ergo <laughs> don't care to be played.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean asks, what do you think of the explanation they gave for Cassie's actions?
2: Um, well, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I like that they don't. Mm -hmm. i don't cassie acting instinctively in the moment to make the choice she did Mm -hmm. and then having her go after the fact looking back going i wonder if it was this i think Mm -hmm. it could have been this Mm -hmm. i think that feels much more realistic and much more of a interesting character thing Mm -hmm. for that to happen i think the reveal of what happened was brutal af I liked it. Yeah, there was a quite a lot of discussion
0: happening in the Discord around Cassie's decision and how a lot of people thought that it was out of character for her. That it may would have been a more poignant point if she had killed Tom for Jake. I can
2: look at some people's comments.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
2: Unmute the channel.
0: Yeah. It is all yeah, it's all safe for you to read. Um anything that was really spoilery was brought 13 as well. Um But yeah, it, it's there was a, a lot of conversation about that, and I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think it would have been a very interesting and impactful choice for that to have been the case for Cassie to do. Um but I think it does make sense for her to do it the way she did. Um, because Cassie acting impulsively, um, is not new. Like, th- this, this felt very much like i am I'm gonna let Aftran infest me decision.
1: Um,
0: yeah, a kind I think of thing, about the consequences later. Yes. Um, not, not a uh, you know. This is how we take care of data decision. Um, so it it didn't seem terribly out of character for me, and I think it makes sense that she doesn't know why she did it, and that she can come up with some rationalizations after the fact,
1: but she yeah. doesn't really have a good reason.
0: Um,
1: yeah, it was an empathetic decision, not a strategic decision for sure. Mm-hmm, like it, mm-hmm. it was. It was seeing the change in Jake since what happened with his parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: and having internalized that and realizing what would happen if she hadn't stopped him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and you know, even if it was she was not thinking that logically, I think that that was you
2: know, mm-hmm. that was
1: there mm-hmm. in her understanding of the situation, and that's
0: yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a true because one can argue that this did more damage to Jake than the alternative. At least in the moment. But, we don't, we, we don't get to know that universe. We don't get to see that future. Um, Sean also asks, do you think Jake really forgave Cassie or was he just telling her what she needed to hear to be useful to the group? I think we talked about this quite a bit in terms of like, he's able to take steps toward Beginning to forgive her. Um, yeah. that, that, that yeah. whole scene kind of gave him the catharsis he needed in order to not just be angry. Mm. Um, and, and I think I agree with that. Um, I think, I don't think he wants to be mad at her. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily just manipulating her so that she's useful. Again. No. Um, no. It's
2: entirely m- possible there's an element of him knowing, like, I cannot stay angry at her and be the only one doing this because it is fracturing yeah. the group.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I can see him having a level of awareness about mm-hmm. it, but, like, the others were saying, I don't think that's what motivated the choice, even if it was a factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think like having it come out in the open with the group was just sort of the catharsis moment where he could, if not forgive, mm-hmm. at least accept what had happened and mm-hmm. move on, you know, and yeah. deal with it, as opposed to holding on to the anger and the resentment. Yeah. But I, I don't think he was just saying what she needed to hear in the moment. Yeah. Even if it wasn't a full forgiveness, it's mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah Uh, and Sean finally asks how scared are you for the next two books
2: (laughs) (laughs) fuck off (laughs) fuck off I am extremely scared (laughs) both of the narrative and of what I'm going to do in their house when I've read the book yes we will be sleeping in the same house (laughs) <laughs> i wouldn't do that to arrow he's such a nervous boy i could not cause disruption in the household i'll go outside to yell
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> there is there is something about this feeling that we're about to go over the edge mm-hmm it's like this upside thought, like, okay, we've got to be at the – it's all got to – oh, no, we're going to go higher. We're going higher. Shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fuck. Mm-hmm. There, there is an inevitability towards heartbreak that is coming. And even if I hadn't been making this podcast with Danielle and listening to some of the noises uh, they make when I get too close to the truth <laughs> or even just we're vaguely hinting at future events – even if that hadn't been the case, the books feel like they're gearing up mm-hmm. yeah, for something awful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Oh. Rankings out of 10. Plot.
2: I feel like I've put this one actually pretty high because although the Mm -hmm. plot, like, the order of some events and, like, the execution of some ideas Mm -hmm. missed the mark, the solid notion of, okay, it's real bad, we are going to blow up the yerk pool and the group dynamic may fall out of the bottom before it happens, good, Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Probably like an eight. Yeah. 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 I would say,
1: like, the second half-ish, definitely really high I felt for me like it was really slow to get going like it starts off quick because they're you know in the subway all that action and then there's a lot of there's multiple chapters that take place over the course of a couple hours Mm -hmm. of just Mm -hmm. you know talking and there were some good character moments good stuff going on but then the actual plot doesn't start until halfway through the book yeah once it started it was it was good it was snappy
0: Excellent. Yeah. I mean, given the shit we gave the last book for being too action y, I enjoyed the like dwelling on the character bits. Oh yeah. It definitely was slow in the
2: middle. But I know what you mean, Jen, about like it it veered so much between action Mm -hmm. and it didn't have like a a flow where it's just like fast, fast, fast and breathe. Fast, 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 breathe. It felt like Slamming fast and then full stop. Yeah, if you could. Kind of disappointment. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not that I didn't want the slower, quieter moments. It's just the pacing could have done mm-hmm. better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be happy with me. Oh my god, I just
2: saw Sean's suggestion of a post-quarantine Earth could be a fascinating setting for a campaign of idiot teenagers and I want to <laughs> scream. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's very good. Anyway. characterization. This is another one of those where when it's good, it's great and when it misses the mark, it mm, plows into the ground. <laughs> Yeah. For me. But I think I would rather have this. Like, it takes big swings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's commendable.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I would give this
2: like,
0: a very high seven or low eight. Yeah. Because I yeah. kind feel of like a lot of the characterization, even though I'm very frustrated with what seems like mm. such a step back for Axe. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of moments in my notes of is this out of character or is this actually a reasonable yeah. response given uh-huh. the heightened stress and everything that's yes. going on? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, at I first think- when I started I was like, oh, this seems a little that seems like a that seems like a twelve. You know, like everyone's up mm-hmm. at a 12. And then as I kept going, I was like, oh, that's because the situation yeah. is at a 12. Like,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the, well, yeah. Sorry, Jen. No, no, so, I was ca- done. <laughs> yeah, you're all right. What's occurring to me is my problem isn't with the characterization, it's with the execution of the mm-hmm. characterization.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. the choices being made. I just don't think they're all being necessarily made well. Yeah or in a way that is, so yeah, I'm happy to be like, like, again, hi, hi, sevens, up, eights. I wish we got to see more of people, to be honest. Yeah.
0: So, enjoyability
2: slash satisfaction. For me, even though I'm feeling more charitable because of the ups and downs, it's low for me, but I would not, Begrudge people grating it higher, but for me, it's maybe a six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd probably say like a seven, maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was saying as a
0: whole, maybe a seven.
1: I really didn't remember this one at all. Like, from the last maybe eight to ten books of this series, I don't think I've read them since they came out, and I have like snapshots. Same. Mm-hmm. of big plot points and character moments and things that I couldn't tell you what order they happen in or which book they happen in or anything. And so like I knew they destroyed the Yorkpool pool at some point. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the only big <laughs> plot point from this book that I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, you know, I, I was engaged. I read it. I was surprised at the surprising parts and it was, it was fine. It was satisfying. It was satisfying.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: How about you, Danielle?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I a lot of the same. Um, I had a good time reading the book. I was still frustrated by some of the act bits. Um, I feel like there's a version of this book that would be really excellent, which is part of why I'm rating it a little lower. Um, mm. Yeah, so so I'm, I'm i think I'm with Jen on about like a seven, maybe like a seven and a half because the action some of the I've I've through the recording I've also come around to a lot more of the characterization. Um so
2: Alrighty. Favorite part
0: Axel's conversation with
1: Cassie. Jen? Uh I think them leaving the military base or the National Guard base, whatever it was. Uh mm. the whole scene with, with Jake. Mm. I I always love those when it's like just Jake facing off with Fissure Three, one, whatever, or you know, someone who apparently is much more powerful, much more intimidating than him and him just standing there and like owning his badassness like I love that and like Naomi coming to defend him that whole scene I love that mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. I think there's a cool. couple of moments that I thought were really strong um, for different reasons but I think the the moment that's gonna stick with me is that visual of this fucking flipped over train car in the yerk mm-hmm. pool people running and acts watching human controllers help people get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's those little moments. Like this is this is part of why I love playing idiot teenagers so much. Mm-hmm. Um and why I wish there was more instances like it. Mm-hmm. Um also uh, my favorite part is my theory that the bird in the train <laughs> was the same bird, the uh, uh to my, uh the like free. That's my favorite part. Yeah. I um, did notice as I caught up through the uh of people talking about uh they're just like, Now, guy, who wants to join me in my theory about the better book? <laughs> Hit me up in the comments. Look, there was a fucking hulk controller that sliced off one of the tentacles of Visa 1 there are yurks on mm-hmm. the side of the Animorphs yeah mm-hmm.
1: which I, I love I love those moments but it's like why couldn't we have been getting those throughout the series yeah. why is it all coming together at the end yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: T- too little too late yeah, a bit. And I mean, I guess maybe you could kind of argue that the Yerks themselves also obviously are getting this sense that things are coming mm. to a head and things yeah. are not necessarily going great for mm-hmm. either side, right? Like, mm-hmm. so maybe more Yerks yeah. are defecting now or having some thoughts.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know
1: if you could justify Shout it like out. that, but
2: yeah. Uh, shout out to the auxiliary playbook writers for idiot teenagers who have been exploring uh, these concepts uh, with where you can play as a Yurk or where you can play as a member of the Yurk Peace Movement. It's good shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I'm very excited. Any surprises yeah. or catching you on the go- off guard on the reread?
1: Uh, the I mostly that- the whole book because I didn't remember it. <laughs> but the
0: fact that ax was so fucking angry he was willing to genocide earth
2: yeah yeah that, that is a bit go with that, that, that. <laughs> yeah that is a lot to be fair um i, would, I say surprised like a thing that one i think fucking as i said cassie being like oh well you would want to blow a big thing up wouldn't you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was one of the mo- that genuinely made me go oh Cassie is really not doing great, huh? Mm -hmm. It's bad. It's a bad time. Uh, Our third question. We have been picking this one to death. Yeah, we have been the vultures over the carrion corpse of this question (laughs) throughout the book. Yeah, of making sense or trying to make sense of things that don't. Mm -hmm. Um. And is this essential Animorphs reading? Yeah. 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 I think so. Awful lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Book Uh 52, y'all. Yeah. It's good shit.
0: Um, Jen, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad you're able to join us here before the end.
1: Thank you for inviting me back. Always happy to talk about Animorphs with you guys. And silently scream in DMs with Danielle during recording. <laughs> what the fuck do you two talk about? Jade, you're so close. I am so amazed. I'm so impressed and <laughs> glad that you've managed to get this far into things without getting spoiled. And I oh, can't yeah, wait thanks. for you to finish it off.
2: Uh huh. we to be yelling so much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Speaking um, of, uh we are gonna be recording fifty three and fifty four together. Yes.
0: Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. In
2: person and also kind of reading I think you were saying about we wanna read all of fifty three in the first chapter of fifty four. There's a thing. Yeah. Danielle has yeah. a plan. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, like it's a scary plan for me because I don't know <laughs> what's going on. Um <laughs> but I trust them to take me on this emotional roller coaster. Um but it's going to be like a bumper mm-hmm. selection and stuff. For you guys, there will not be a delay when we release the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yeah, that that's the next thing we record. That it's is just... going to be like an eight-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Class <Kleinstein> Santa Daniels. <laughs> oh, man it's yep. great and good and fine mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, and in the meanwhile do, are we going to release our little bonus episode to tide the listeners over um, as it, yeah, yes. that's going to be a big edit job otherwise for you to get out in yeah. two weeks time yeah <laughs>
0: um, yeah the, there's going to be a bonus episode about the Game Boy Color game that we did with Shrog that's excellent um, very fun um, very fun time Shrog did some excellent research for that um you can look forward to that uh between this and when the finale drops. Um but yeah. Uh my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at JDocs for Pros. Uh you can find their home podcast, Follow the Leader, which is still doing Pathfinder, but will soon transition back into GM-less Games. Um, at FDLCast uh, you should absolutely check them out they do the best character work out there and just tell one of the stories um, you should also check out <clears throat> their uh, they just had a stream for 30,000 downloads um, okay. they did a game of Low Stakes it is uh, on BOD on the Standing Stones YouTube channel you should check that out um, and Jade is also holding a GoFundMe to get something off their chest. Um, you should uh, find the post either pinned to the top of their Tumblr or uh, re- uh, retweeted a lot to their Twitter feed. Um, spread it around. Donate some dollars if you can. It's a really great and important cause, and it would mean a lot to me if you did
2: My co-host has been the conniving, the compassionate, the delightful Danielle. You can find them online at 90. Keep your eyes peeled. Idiot Teenage of the Death Wish version 2 is imminent. There's art. There's suffering. It's great. <laughs> Tell your own animal story and suffer as we have suffered in the good, good way. Um, their home podcast is The Room Where It Happened. They are currently deep in the depths of Elder County, Tennessee, uh, urban fantasy with an Appalachian flair and a Buckwild faction game. I have listened to none since the first, but I know who's playing the faction game. And that knowledge alone is enough to tell me that it is Buckwild. Um, Go along, check that out. And, of course, Dumb Kids Playing Hero, where Danielle GMs, is entering its fucking final days. Um, (laughs) It's a lot. Uh, We're very proud of the storytelling Dang guys, you ain't ready. Um, (laughs) and nor am I for what comes next in these books. So there we go. Yep. All right. Let's
0: do another clap. time that is. Forty five? Forty five.